Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition, a delicious range of sumptuously smooth dark chocolate. You're listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Jennifer Ryan. Before we get started, we just wanted to mention that the annual March for Choice takes place this Saturday, September 28th, on International Safe Abortion Day, beginning at the Garden of Remembrance in Dublin at 2pm. No One Left Behind is the abortion rights campaign's message this year, and you can find out all the details of the march on their website, abortionrightscampaign.ie. In today's podcast, Roisin Ingle talks to the Wexford musician Wallace Bird about her sixth album, Woman, which is released this week. Wallace has always had lots to say on her records, but this time the singer-songwriter has been inspired by a slew of social and political issues, including the Me Too movement, repeal, Trump and Brexit. The war in Syria has also had a huge impact on the singer, and Woman's opening track, As the River Flows, is dedicated to Alan Kurdi, the three-year-old Syrian refugee whose body was photographed on a Turkish beach in 2015. In this podcast, Wallace talks to Roisin about the new album, about how falling in love and being in a grown-up relationship has changed her, and why living in Berlin is as annoyingly cool as it seems. Wallace, thank you very much for coming in. Your sixth album, is it, I think? This is it, yeah. Amazing, it's called Woman. Yes. And yeah. it's 37 uh, minutes long, which is very nice and short, 11 songs. Mm. And it seems to me, just even reading about it, and I've heard a couple of the songs, one of the songs actually I've only heard, but I'm dying to hear the rest. You feel, it feels like you're talking about stuff in a more open way now than you might have before. I mean, you've been in the business more than 10 years. You're kind of, you know, well-known at this stage. but Old hat. Yeah. (laughs) But is it the kind of thing where you kind of have to keep quiet sometimes because you're worried about rocking the boat too much? Uh, Yeah, there was that for sure. You know, growing up uh, in the music business was kind of an interesting thing. I started when I was 21 and I'm 36 now. And uh, even times were different 10 years ago. You know, I would have been encouraged... Uh, by record labels to not, uh, you know, disclose that I prefer women rather than men. And That's mad that you were a lesbian and they didn't want you to say that. Yeah, it's very interesting. Like that, that was for, you know, the first start of my career because there was the thing that was said, you have to... uh, well, you know, I won't be fancied on. by by, Basically, every, by everybody. Yeah, you have to be accessible. For. Yeah, and um, nowadays it's just yeah. After passing a, a certain amount of of uh, experience in my life, I just don't really mind anymore what uh, what's happening or what I say. And thankfully, my my team are just like you do your thing, and that's the best way. And they recognise that I'm. At, at the top of my game when I'm just allowed to do whatever I want to do and yeah it's special Because did you feel a bit stifled by that? I mean, I'm just thinking you know your sexuality is a huge part of anyone's identity mm. and you know to not be able to kind of be yourself yeah. must have been a bit tricky I mean it was poisonous like um, I'd, I'd be sick to my stomach walking around 
Uh, aside from the social stigma mm-hmm. of uh, growing up in Catholic Ireland, it was like, well, okay, so I'm going to have to hide this from the, from my um, omitting rather, not not hiding um, from your fans, from people who yeah. admire your music and uh, yeah. And I took when I was told one time. You know, when I realised that it wasn't really something to be talking about was my love for other women and songs. I I took that as a journey that I would um, really work my way through. So I gen, uh, did never genderize something and I decided, well, OK, love is a universal thing. And I would prefer people to have no judgment and r- not realise what sex I was singing about. So I really enjoyed myself uh just universalizing lyrics of love. Yeah. And um, nowadays I don't give a shit. Like I'm singing woman, oh woman in a really languorous <laughs> Tony Bennett way, you know, because that's my, it's my time now, you know. Yeah. Um, so is this a, any particular woman? Yes, for sure. Uh, she's an incredible lady. Her name's uh, Tracy Kay, Tracy Callagher. And um, yeah, we've been, I always say dating because I heard that and I liked that. And she was like, we're not dating for five years. We're we're properly with each other now. <laughs> so we're living together in Berlin. And uh, I wrote my last record. I lo- wrote the last three records about her. The first one was... God, she's getting a real... Uh, uh, a real um, look in. Yeah, she is. <laughs> was Architect. there a time when you wrote about her when you weren't together, when you just wanted to be together? Oh my God, yeah. Architect is basically chasing her. Like, <laughs> just being like, please, you know... Um, but not out of my boundaries or anything. It wasn't, you know, I was, it was very polite and stuff. But I always <laughs> let her know that I, I was, you know, lurking around a corner, chasing her. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, the first, um, architect was, I met her and I instantly fell in love. And I just continued. Where did you meet? And we met actually at a house party in the house that we now live. Okay. It was my friend's house and we moved into it. Is this in Ber- Berlin then? Yeah, yeah. So she's a, a mutual friend of a friend of mine. And uh, he meant, he plays music, she plays music. And he said, oh, so I started singing with a lady called Tracy Kay. And I just remember thinking, oh, I'd love to know who this person is. Because the way he spoke about her, the tone in his voice, there was a depth there about her personality and... I think I heard the name of her voice and that was it then. And, and then when you saw her for the first time? Yeah, I mean, it was sparkly all around her. But not for her. Um, yes, <laughs> she was very careful. She's she's a Taurus and I don't know if you're into that kind of thing, but they certainly take their time making a decision about something like they assess all of the, they assess the complete situation and she's very much one like that. I mean, fair play to her because... I wasn't in a great place in my life. I was partying and I was very selfish, very, very selfish and um, huge ego on me. And I was like, sure, I can have anybody. And uh, no, it didn't work out that way. So I had to work very, very hard. Um, So Architect was about, I met her and I fell in love and it was very painful because she didn't feel the same way. And then Home was like, it worked out and she saw it through and I changed um, myself for the better to meet something that I felt was better for me for her needs. Um, it was wonderful. So home was like, ah, the big love is there. That's it. What am I going to write about now? And I started again with woman. So woman is about anything other than my relationships. It's about how I see the world and this, the, yeah, the purpose of 2019 and women and yeah. 
Because the subjects you're tackling, I mean, and a lot has happened, I suppose, in the last few years to do with women particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you want to address that, like, you know, Me Too and Repeal? Because one of the songs is called Repeal. Yes, yeah. And obviously that's a reaction to winning the yeah. referendum. Yeah, it was incredible. That Repeal in particular is uh, is written chronologically over the kind of... Wasn't it about three years that yeah. before the moment when it was decided, right, we're going to have one? So it's chronolog- chronologizing um, the space of finding out that the referendum was going to happen to going to speaking out loud about it, the confessions that everybody had to make uh, so that could, they could be heard correctly and understood and moving to the space between going door to door, trying to talk to people about this and overcoming a trauma together of what we believed in, whether we were for or against it. And finally, there's a long pause uh, in the song where it's the moment between when we voted and uh, when it came through. And uh, I won't give too much away, but we won and that's highly represented in the tune. Wow, that sounds amazing. So that was important for you to to put that down. Did it, it obviously affected you and moved you in a a big way. Yeah, very much so. being abroad for all of it, it was extremely hard and, and considering myself like I was I was raised an Irish woman, I guess, you know, I'll always have, I'm an, I suppose, an, an international kind of migrant, I like my life is very migrational, so I just soak in cultures around me. But deep down, I mean, the anchor of the, the blood is Irish, so it was... Like, oh, my God, as if every, everybody knows, but it was very hard being away and just myself and Tracy, we would just sit and just f- f- be crying, you know, and the the week upcoming before the, the result of the election was extremely tough. We were, there was a lot of silence and a lot of... Um, anxiety. Anxiety, yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, actually, a fan of yours, Amanda Palmer, was here at the time, so ah, we got yeah. to hire in the podcast as well. Yeah. And a great supporter. Um, you mentioned She's growing amazing, up in yeah. Holy Catholic Ireland. and Holy from, Catholic Ireland. Yeah, you're from um, uh, Enniscorthy, Wexford. Yes. Yeah. So how did your family feel about kind of all those changes? And was it a quite a traditional family or were they more liberal, liberal growing up? Oh, funnily, that's, I think it's changed for a lot of people now, hasn't it? It's like um, my, my parents would have been, we all went to mass. I was an altar server. I got christened. Um, confirmation, all the stuff, all the Germans. Um and yeah, I mean, we've been encouraged to pray and everything. So, growing up uh, gay and hiding that and not wanting to bring any shame upon my family, or that would be mortifying and possibly to to the to the end of days if somebody caught me when I didn't want to be caught, you know. But um, as time moved on, they realised, well, I mean, she's never brought home a boyfriend. And uh, anyone, any boys she has brought home, they've just been working with her and stuff or what have you. But um, I think it was just, I never, I always just, they followed my work and they followed what I was saying about love. And I guess they just had to relent and say, well, okay, she believes that love is love. And um, she's respectful towards uh, you know, people that would be against that. I'd never bl- blow a fuse or something. I'd always listen to both sides of the story. And um, I was just finding my way and I guess they were finding their way through me being gay. But in Holy Catholic Ireland, uh, they knew that I'm 
I still say a few prayers because I believe in there's in the ether of the power of intention and saying a Hail Mary seems to be the quickest way to kind of just throw some intention into the world there sometimes. Um, but you obviously have a quite close relationship with them because one of the songs on the album is called Life is Long. It's a saying of your dad and your mum. Yes. And it's sort of about spending some time with them relatively recently yeah. and just enjoying that relationship. Yeah, I'm very close with my parents. I'm incredibly lucky. Um, they're just wonderful people. They're very liberal people. Like we've all got mad names, you know, like Wallace, Lyndon, Edgar. I was going to ask you, that is your real name. Like, it is, yeah. Where did they get Wallace? Sure, they're mad. <laughs> um, they, <laughs> so I always like to say I'm half royalty, half working yeah, class. Yeah, because is it like, from Wallace in yeah. England, the, the one that married Edward? And exactly, yeah. He, he had to abdicate from, yeah. abdicate from the throne. And there was also, like my father uh, was a shift boss in Tower Mines. And uh, so he'd have to go to sort out coal distribution and that was Wallace's coal. And the name kept showing up. And when my mom gave birth, there was Wallace Simpson was um, they were selling the jewellery, the love jewellery, the romance jewellery that they saved for each other. And so I think the name just stuck. Um, But yeah, growing up with a name like that was a bit, oh, yeah. So you were out there anyway before your gayness ever was a thing. (laughs) Yeah, shoved out (laughs) into the world. And what about your siblings then? Yeah. Uh, wild names. I mean, there's Lyndon, Tamara. Lyndon. Yeah. Okay. Um, like the president and yeah. there's Edgar and Patricia. Uh, also president, Edgar Hoover. Uh, oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe there is a, I never really caught that before. I call my mother now. Um, Patricia, John James and Well, she Stephen. got away lightly, didn't she? Yeah, Patricia, the last yeah. couple of them got away lightly, but yeah. How many was there all together? Seven of us. Yeah. It was candlelight and no electricity in Ireland for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and they owned a pub in while they had seven of us. They were just, they're very, um, they have endless energy, boundless energy. And uh, they're always really positive. So I remember asking them, how on earth did you just raise seven kids? And they were like, sure, you put one on your shoulders, one, two under your arms and you kick the other one in front of you. <laughs> you just keep going. And they seem to like the crack as well. Oh, they love the crack. Yeah. This is the thing. I love spending time with them. Um, you wouldn't know what they'll do or what they'll come out with. They're lovely. So I was like, come on, I have a couple of gigs in um, on, along the Wild Atlantic Way. Let's let's spend a bit of time together. And we just got hammered every night and singing in foyers of hotels and meeting loads of lovely people and at the end what the song Life Is Long is about is that weekend of just really bonding Um, and at the end of one of the nights singing in in the hotel foyer we went back to the hotel room and I was like saying goodnight to them they were brushing their teeth getting into their pyjamas and and my mum was like get into bed Uh, I says uh, no, I'm I'm 36 now, or I'm 35. I'm not doing that. I have I'm an adult now, and I have my own hotel room. And she goes, get into bed. <laughs> and uh, so I said, fuck it, and I got into bed. And uh, and they started snoring immediately. They don't. They'd sleep on a stamp. And I just turned <laughs> over and started hugging my mom because I was like, oh, very moved by this moment, and haven't slept in the bed with them since I'm a kid. And so I turned over to hug my mom, and she was hugging dad, and we were just this. <laughs> Care Bear, 
Yeah, and I and I just thought like this is a lucky thing. This is a lucky thing, you know, to be so close with your parents. So I said there'd be a song in that there somewhere. And there it certainly is, and it's gorgeous. And um, there's a song called Grace, which yeah. uh, I think you've said is written for very much for an American audience. Yes, yeah. Because it's quite a political record. It sounds like yeah. more than maybe anything you've ever done before. Absolutely, uh, I would have touched on things such as um, if you push people. They are eventually going to push back and um, trying to, I suppose, my main priority was trying to show people that, again, love is love and uh, just a bit of kindness goes a long way or something. Um, And yeah, so Grace is specifically, um, I don't even like mentioning his name, but your man over there in America. We think we know who you mean. Yeah. And just the sadness that... uh, the shootings have become so normalised and um, and migrant kids are being shoved into cages and, and being abused and it's a disastrous time to be like the leader of the free world. And But it's a direct translation of everything that's bad in the world is everything that he stands for and all that he speaks about. For me, I think there's, there's really very little to respect in that man. Um... So, yeah, the lyrics are about, you know, shootings and uh, man can't build a wall from bullet holes alone, you know. Um, and basically the the lyrics are saying it's not the right time, but when is the right time? The right time is right now, actually. So um, if there was ever going to be a, a kind of a stand against these things that he stands for, the, the timing would be now. And have say. you sung that in America at all? Or? Yeah, yeah. And how's it gone down? I mean... To be fair to Americans, the ones that I certainly met, um, we met a good range of different types of Americans. They kind of, they're after copping on. There's a great sense of like, uh-oh, uh, and uh, a, a reckoning, a lot of reckoning going on over there at the moment. And um, so I did see the MAGA side. Like we ended up in some places where it was, you know, they're flag central and very uh, nationalistic and frightening, you know, lots of lots of gun medals and scary. And I was asked not to ask how many people were carrying guns. I was asked not to to ask if there's anybody carrying uh, at a concert because you won't like the answer. And that was a bit... That was a bit frightening yeah. because they carry them for the crack, you know. But on the whole, the people that I met over there were uh, genuine music and culture lovers. I'm in a bit of a bubble because I'm in the music scene and they're, you know, they treat they treat you very well over there, actually. Um, so I didn't want to be preaching to the converted being like, I'm a European coming over here to sing to you about walls and guns. So I kind of just... I oftentimes didn't even introduce the song. I just went for it and hoped that they would receive the lyrics. Hopes people wouldn't throw things at you. <laughs> yeah, or bang. <laughs> or worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you you had to be fair to them. The, the audiences that I received uh, were people that have, are just show up to the venue because the standard of the music in there was of, of a certain standard that they loved. You mm. know, it's been going for 30 to 60 years or so. So they didn't even know who was playing on the okay. night. And... Um, yeah, I was lucky with that, yeah. You have another song called Brutal Honesty. Mm. Is that something that you're veering towards more and is that why you wrote about it? Yeah, um, for sure. It's, that's a, also a self-reckoning going back retrospective upon, upon what I've done badly to people like 
uh, past relationships and um, it's more kind of trying to get my house in order and contacting people and just being like, look, I'll try better. And um, are you doing that? Yeah, slowly and surely. Because, it, I mean, that's something that when people do after, time. well, I was just going to say, I was going to say people do that after AA because it's one of the steps, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, to go and make amends. But you're you're doing it while still drinking. Like, Yeah, <laughs> I gave up drink there for a while, all right. And, oh, God, giving up drink is such a harrowing thing. Um, because all your thoughts, everything that you've done wrong, it all starts to come clear to you again. Yeah, that's why it's better to keep drinking. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm in Ireland now and the pints are flowing <laughs> because I'm between tours now as well. So I'm like, OK, I've done my work. I'm going to have a relaxed time now. But even still, I'd wake up in the morning now and I've decided that if I think about somebody, um, don't think twice about contacting them, you know, just do it. Like, and just what, what do you think um, led to that? Were there particular reasons that you've kind of become a bit more like that? Uh, I'm... To be honest, it's from being with uh, Tracy. She she just showed me a lot of things that I was doing. Like I would, I would go away for a couple of days and not contact her. And she's like, "Who do you do you think I'm? Just like some, you know, some musician's widow." She's like, "I want to know that you you went home okay that night. I want to know that you're safe when you go to bed. Like text me before you go to bed." And I was like, "Oh, doing that? I'll do whatever I want." And basically, uh, you know. I don't need to answer to anybody at the end of the year, not my mother. And then I realised, no, it's just basic care. It's just basic uh, curtsy. If somebody cares about you, then have the decency to keep their mind at ease and not have them worrying about stuff such as I might be, you know. For example, don't go mad flirting with somebody if I know that it's going to offend the person that I'm with. Just don't do that. (laughs) Uh, did you used to do that? Yeah, I did. Oh. <laughs> you sounded like great crack, though. I kind of like the sound <laughs> of that other Wallace. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I don't miss it or anything, but I prefer where I am now because I got a nice, like, steady relationship. And I still have the mad crack and everything. Yeah. But, but I'm just like, I still have the mad crack. And I, I can still have the mad crack, of course. Like, I'm allowed, you know, it's, there's nothing going, it's being said, like, don't be out there flirting or something. But it's just like, don't go mad flirting and, you know, forget about it me or something. It sounds more like, um, uh, not just, it sounds like you were, the only person you were considering before was you and you're just yeah. now considering this other amazing person. And and because of that, you're also now considering a wider circle or people that you might have treated badly in the past. You couldn't how, have said it better. How are those people <laughs> responding to your kind of, you know, efforts? Um, I, I get funny responses uh, on the whole, it's been fab. On the whole, it's been fab. Um, just reconnecting back with old friends and stuff, and just just saying it's it's been amazing. It's been, um, and I have to work at it as well because if you get back in contact with somebody, you can't just drop out again, you know. So that's been a really good lear- learning curve for me, like to stay in contact with my family, check up on them, see how they're doing, because I love it when they do it with me, but I don't expect them to. But they do it just out of the goodness of their heart. And so I always feel safe in a way. And I'm learning that that's a lovely thing to just uh, give back in a small way. Do you think it comes from kind of you were quite young when you started and you got some success quite soon after you started and then you were this migrant kind of life. Did that feed into that sense of Wallace as this sort of isolated person on her own who can just do whatever she wants moving through the world? That's, yeah, that's a lot about it. Yeah, Roshan, totally. Like, um... 
going around, I wouldn't have told anybody what I was doing because I didn't want them going, oh, you think you're great now, do you? <laughs> doing the women's podcast. Oh, you think you're great now, do you? And I, so I just stopped pe- telling people what I was doing and uh, I became very lonerist and um, just uh, not really communicating with people. And um, that would have been one part of it as well. And um, I suppose I didn't, I didn't want to... It's a funny thing being um, a musician because I don't, I hate it, I hate it, but people will treat you differently or they'll come over or they'll watch you from the side of a bar. It's so horrible. It's like, or um, if anything goes well for you, people treat you differently. And I absolutely hate that. Because um, I don't treat anybody differently. I try not to, certainly try not to, but... I get it, like, I, I get very excited when I see somebody that I like their work. I get very excited and I usually make a fool out of myself by <laughs> going over to them or something. But So I get it. I'm not a, adverse to it or anything, but um, I just didn't really like that. So I just keep to myself and um, not expect anybody to want something from me or so I wouldn't ask for something from somebody else. The Irish Times Women's Podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition. Sumptuously smooth, dark chocolate. Am I right in thinking you shaved your head for writing this album? Yeah. Why did you do that and what uh, impact did it have on your art? Thank you for asking that. It had an enormous impact on my life, shaving my head. Um, It was extreme cleansing. Um, I would consider a lot of my a lot of my memories are stored in my hair like my hair is always a representation of what year it was how healthy I was if I if it was greasy I was living in a kind of a you know going out era or something you know the dreadlocks I had dreadlocks and that represented a time when I was earth mother earth and uh, bleached my head when I when I thought I was uh, I just signed a big record label in England and I thought I was the shit and it's like dyed my hair super blonde and all of these things and then I decided to come back to it I shaved the side of my head to be just a little bit gay but not too much and so my hair always represented whatever was happening. Right now, I haven't a clue what's happening well, with my hair. Well, it looks very well. It looks washed. It doesn't look Does greasy. It? Yeah, it looks clean, yeah, fresh. It looks good. sort of like it's not trying too hard, <laughs> you know, but it still looks cool. And I look like my mother when she was 25, actually. I, I can get a lot out of this. Like there's yeah. just, I can get an awful lot out of this hair. Uh, it looked like a there's pineapple a or whatever. Yes. So, uh I just, I shaved my head. I was like, look, I, I was on my 750th official gig and I was playing at a festival. It was the last concert that I was doing for my record Home, which represented the most stable, safest, most relaxed, confident time in my life. And I said, right, I'm going to start again. So I shaved my head. Uh, I shaved it in the backstage at the festival and I came out onto the stage, didn't know what to do with my face because it was completely open and I was just like spasms and uh, just all wide eyed. And uh, I told my parents and they said, don't do it. And I says, I'm doing it. And uh, they didn't talk to me for two weeks. I had to ring up and it was just kind of silence down the phone and I was like just talk to me will you and she goes why did you do it I said I did it to annoy you ma'am but I did no I didn't 
So um, what did it feel like, say, writing and being an artist with the with the shaved head? What did it? How did it impact everything um, you were doing? My daily life would just you'd leave the you'd leave the door and people would either think you're sick or they'd think you're tough, and they would basically uh, kind of leave you alone or or really embrace you. People were telling me all sorts of secrets. I think they felt like I was That's some so kind of a, I don't know, um, an open. It, my face was open. I was saying this to Adam yesterday. My face was completely open. So um, I'd had nothing to hide. And I think people felt either, uh, what's the word, put off by it or uh, or they liked were it. Were people a bit afraid of you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got zero trouble off anybody yeah zero trouble and um, it was also quite sweet because a lot of people would come over and they just want to rub your head Did really you mind I loved it personally <laughs> I loved it like um, Did it give you any insight into why Sinead O'Connor would have done that back when she was uh, you know so so successful and and would have been want people would have wanted maybe because she's such a beautiful woman for her to you know exaggerate her femininity and all mm-hmm. that kind of thing mm-hmm. Did you feel like okay I can kind of see Mm. Oh, there Why? was so much power in shaving your head. Like, um, I never felt more like a woman. Never felt more like a woman than when I shaved my head. Like my features, I was embracing everything. Did Sinead shave her head before she became famous, or well, was that? Actually, kind I don't of know, but it, but it was definitely at that time when she was. There would have been maybe pressure, I'd imagine, on okay. to be. So I'm not know about the Beautiful exact time, age. but I just think I think it was a statement for her whenever she did it. Yeah, I think there was that kind of. But I also think it's quite a vulnerable thing as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. To, to remove it because women are judged in so many ways by all the different hairstyles that you just described, yeah. you know. So to yeah. sort of say, no, I'm not, you're not going to be allowed to put any of your thoughts on me through my hair. Absolutely. It's quite yeah. powerful as well. Oh, it was fab. It was fab. I just left myself. I felt like I became some, uh, just a walking mantra or something. It was really fab. Um, my my, I, And then I, I also took great pride in how I looked and the scars on my body and the the shape of my face or my body in general I just became really kind of I fell in fell in love with my physicality and all of the all of the beautiful faults and everything do you know this kind of way but um yeah it was there 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 is this idea of the emasculating the feminine and um I really liked that because I I'd be a little tomboy, but I'm, I, I wouldn't call myself like a butcher or anything, and uh, I really liked the idea of toying with people, older people that be like, "See, you've ruined your face." <laughs> I, I really liked that because I was like, "Don't worry, don't worry. Do you want a cup of tea?" You know, I just kind of, uh, yeah. So there was strong reactions like that in terms yeah. of what you were doing to yourself that you weren't. Uh, projecting yourself in as an attractive way as they mm. would consider it or that yeah, kind of thing. I, I wasn't doing what people would have preferred me to do. Yeah. yeah. One of my favourite artists, uh, her name's Ani DeFranco, um, when she was starting to do really well, uh, MTV was starting to beautify her and uh, say, you know, she's a punk, but she's gorgeous mm. and all of this stuff. So she went ahead and shaved her head and she was like, look, stop judging me, you know. I'm the last, I'm the only person that should judge what I feel about myself. So she's just kind of upended that. And I always loved that power of saying, like, I'm comfortable in myself. And if you don't feel comfortable about it, that's your problem. So that was cool. And it's grown out quite a bit now. It grows so fast. (laughs) Yeah. The funny thing was, is that um, 
my parents were like, you're going to grow your hair back. And I was always annoying them, you know, yeah. just say, no, I'm not. <laughs> but um, of course, I was going to eventually. And uh, my partner's mother and father were like, so is Wallace going to grow her hair back? And Trace's, she is, ma'am. And they're like, good. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so sweet, like, yeah. And now is, um, if you don't mind me asking, is marriage on the cards, do you think? Or yeah. children in your future, do you think? Is that kind of where you see yourself going? I would have loved to. Uh, there was a point in my life where I figured that that was absolutely my my line. Um, and now it's like, I mean, it's the perfect season for me. I love autumn. So I said, Tracy, you're going to get at least 18 uh, marriage proposals in, in this season. So just get <laughs> used to it. Um, so I love the idea of marriage. My parents are still married. Um, so marriage is a beautiful uh, team thing for me I, I love the idea but I think just sticking together and showing solidarity together I think that's that can be also done in a beautiful way by not getting married and uh, so maybe marriage will never be on the cards but I kind of made that made my peace with that to say it's something that I always wanted to do but it might never happen and and sure isn't that all right too I mean if it's not broke don't fix it and uh Kids, I was like, yes, so I'm definitely going to have kids. And then I realized um, just after being asked, do you want kids? Do you want kids? And I was like, I'll have kids if you want kids. Sure. And I was like, that's not an answer. That's not an answer. I said, it is an answer. I'm happy to do that if you want to. And then it was I realized that I'm putting all the pressure on my partner. I'm actually saying to them and I didn't realize if I actually wanted kids or not. And um, yeah, I made the decision recently that kids are not for me. I think I have too much to do musically. I think it would be a selfish thing for me to do. That's actually. really interesting because um, you're so are you making a bit of a, a choice between what you want to do creatively and motherhood, say? Yeah, um, I I just think I I like I adore kids. I spend so much time around kids. Uh, someday I want to have a school, a music school or a therapy school just for kids. Um, I'm a godmother and if you, if I'm ever at a party, I'm always hanging out with the kids. It's like, good luck, adults. So, and, um, so they're very important in my life, but the, what I can give them is something different than motherhood. I suppose I can be like the cool auntie or something like that. Yeah, what I think is great. The cool auntie, I just call myself you're cool. Very you know much, what I mean? You are. I mean, you know what there's I mean. no getting away from it. You are the very drunk cool. Auntie. No, you're drunk and cool. <laughs> um, but I think it's really a time we're living in now where... Do you know, you saying that and making that choice is a lot more acceptable than, say, it ever was for you. Think of all the women who, who perhaps shouldn't have had kids, who yeah. could have had these other lives, but they were ne- it was never open to them. So it's, it's, I think it's a very mature, kind of wise thing that you're saying there, that you've really searched inside and you've decided that's the way you want your, your life to go. To go. Yeah. I think, so. like you say, it's important to say to people that you don't have to... Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah. But before there wasn't a, no. wasn't even a conversation. Yeah. It was just, this is what you'll be doing. And this is what you're doing that's because your body is a vessel. Good girl. Exactly. Yeah. But children are more important than that. And, yeah. you know, it isn't something that you just could, should do because you're expected to. Because yeah. it mightn't suit everyone. And also you might have other things to do, which do get interrupted by having uh, children. So yeah. um, what do you think of Ireland now then? I mean, we've had all these changes. Like you're in Berlin, which is a... I would imagine, I feel very jealous of you. I'd say oh, it's a I, cool place to live, is it? Here is awesome as well. Yeah, like but is Berlin like really? It's a bit deadly all right yeah, now. Know, yeah, um, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> well, I moved, to, I'm still on holiday. I'm still, I'm there seven years. And um, But again, like I say, I'm just, all I have to do is play music all day. Like I work really hard and that's, 
you know, it takes up all day, every day, which is beautiful job to have. I'm lucky, very lucky. Uh, but like living in Berlin, just it suits me for a night because being a night owl, if you want to work till six in the morning, then you hop out and go to a bar and get an egg. Right. Do you know what I mean? An egg and a bit of toast really? at six in the morning and a pint. See, that is my kind of town. Yeah, you can drink on the street. Yeah. Um, you can push a pram and drink. Um, <laughs> that is very handy. You yes. Know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you can like you'd see you'd see parents going to bring their kids to the to the playground, just having a few cans, watching the kids play. They get they find their time to hang out, and it's absolutely responsible. Because they're not going to get bladdered no. in front of their kids. Like, you know, it's just a bit of cop on goes a long way. And if you offer people the opportunity to say, like, I, you can have your cans. I know you're not going to get, like, balubas. People just go, oh, thanks. I forgot. So yes, there's so much uh, more self-policing goes on and responsibilities for the person themselves rather than the state or someone saying, this is what you must do. Yeah, yeah. Like, their, their history is uh, coming from the wall. It was very poor. It was bombed to death and, you know, your own health and safety was your own business, kind of. Um, you'd always make sure to take care of other people. There's a lot of there's a lot of emphasis put on responsibility for your, for others in the city, uh, in, in Berlin and in the country in particular, because of their tragic history and because of, uh, you know, I mean, their tragic history of vilifying the most vulnerable and uh, murdering the most vulnerable so now they look at it as as a way to say the only way that we can get through that is to go the exact opposite way and take very the best care of our most vulnerable and um, rebuild rebuild around us it's a very poor country very very poor country so they're extremely frugal as well and um, they had a lot of heartbreak so you know they had a lot of responsibility to take on upon themselves. So they're very serious people. A lot of people say that Germans are no crack, but um, I mean, for a long time there, there was nothing to celebrate. And nowadays they can look at themselves and say that they've come very, very far. They're one of the most beautiful people in the world now. Yeah. What have you got coming up that people might be able to keep an eye out for? Got a new U-Porn station and that's just about to get... I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> I was like, I'm so out of it that I'm like, maybe this is something totally it's normal true. that yeah. I just haven't heard of. I love that you're, you're nonchalant. I was like, nothing going on. I'll just look it up after. It's obviously some Berlin hipster thing. It's not porn. Totally. You're not talking about porn. <laughs> no, it's spelled P-A-W-N. Okay. Um, what do you call it? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Don't be sorry. That was funny. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm releasing Woman on the 27th of September and I'm going on a tour in November um, playing around between the 17th till the 27th all around Ireland. Brilliant. Uh, a one woman show. It's just myself on show and it's a really visceral Pre, I'm very excited about it. It's like it's it's going to be a wild trip. Do you know some of the dates offhand in terms of Ireland? Uh, in terms of Ireland, it's Dublin on the 21st, uh, Cork on the 22nd. Where in Dublin are you playing? Uh, in Vicar Street, um, the National Opera House in Wexford on the 24, 22nd, then Cork Everyman on the 24th, and then we're heading over. Yeah, I should just look at them and then I don't get any <laughs> dates wrong. So Dundalk Spirit Store on the 17th of November, uh, Limerick Dolan's on the 20th, uh, Dublin Vicar Street 21st, Wexford Opera House 22nd, 
Galway Black Box 23rd of November, Cork the Everyman on the 24th, London Bush Hall 27th if you're fancy and heading And is it all on your website? It is, yeah. Um, I have to say, I I think that loads of people who (laughs) might not have followed your music who are listening to you now, I think it's a kind of, if I was listening to this and I wasn't here interviewing you, I would want to go and see you. uh, I'm great crack online. Yeah. On stage, not so much though. No, I just think your work and your song, your your personality (laughs) and your worldview is very much in what you do. And I think um, it's very attractive and intriguing and interesting what what you're working on. So, um, yeah, congratulations on everything you've done. And you've loads more to do. Like, you're only 36. Yeah. You're not going to have kids, so there won't be a pram in the hole to distract you. (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to do next. (laughs) Astronaut or something, maybe. We'll leave it there. Uh, Wallace Bird, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a million. Thank you. And that's it for today. Thanks to Wallace Bird and to our sound engineer, JJ Vernon. Remember, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify and all good podcast apps. If you want to get in touch, we're on Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast or email us on thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.